Welcome to the Apparel Entrepreneurship Podcast. We are your hosts, Anna and Klaus Christensen, founders of Apparel Entrepreneurship, your go-to source for running and growing a successful, meaningful apparel brand. Each episode will give you hands-on tactics and practical strategies about everything apparel entrepreneurship. You'll also hear inspiring conversation with apparel industry experts and entrepreneurs about their tips and journeys in this fast-paced industry. Before diving into today's interview, I want to tell you about our live interactive digital summer school. We have created three online workshops so you can educate yourself and create massive progress. Use the summer to boost your knowledge and accelerate your business. Summer is for enjoying the sun, going to the beach, hanging out with your family and friends, right? But if you're an apparel entrepreneur, you might also want to get some inspiration, motivation, and education during the summer to keep running and growing your clothing brand. So here are the three classes. First, sustainability, the foundation. The second one, how to write a business plan, including a done-for-you template. And the third class, find your unique value proposition and brand niche. You can go to apparelentrepreneurship.com slash summer school for dates and time and registration, of course. The first class is on Monday 29th. Now, let's start the interview. Hello and welcome to a new episode of the Apparel Entrepreneurship Podcast. Today, we have the incredible honor of talking to Reinhard Packer. Welcome, Reinhard. Welcome, Anna and Klaus. Uh, you have more than 30 years of experience in brand building, sports design thinking, and product innovation. And you also work on an executive level with sports brand and sports design agency. You are also the co-founder of the brand agency Pascher Heinz, and, and you guys are located in Munich in Germany. And the agency has worked with some crazy industry leaders like Adidas, Nike, Odlo, Burton, Puma, Saleva, Dynafit, and so many more. I it would take me probably the rest of the day to, to mention them. And you uh, are also an innovator, and I know that you hold several patents as well. And since 25 years, you are also a jury member in various design, advertising, and trend awards. And one of them is, for example, is for Brand New and also the German Design Awards. And I mean, you have such an incredible career and achievements. What have I missed? Um, thanks, Anna, for this very kind uh, introduction. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, you have got uh, most of it. Yeah, but maybe I tell you a little bit from the very beginning. Please uh, do. I was born in Graz in Austria uh, 58 years ago, and I started skateboarding in the at the age of eight years, and I want always wanted to surf the streets. So I became quite successful in competitions like freestyle, like slalom, downhill. But unfortunately, I had a severe accident, and I thought if I change to windsurfing, water is not that hard. Mm -hmm. So uh, after school, I started um, to, de um, to, um, to study des um, design and architecture in Graz, and I became a windsurfing professional. I surfed on the Windsurfing World Cup together with Robin Nash and Björn Dunkerbeck. But I learned very fast that um, if you want to be competitive, you have to have good equipment. 
So I stitched my own windsurfing sails on my mother's sewing machine and also shaped my own boards. And um, soon later in 82, I opened my first design loft at Fortaventura and thereafter in, at the island of Sylt and uh, on Maui, Hawaii. And I did this design for three years. And um, Björn Dunkerbeck and others won World Cup races with uh, my equipment. So this made me quite proud, but also promoted me to become marketing and design director of F2 And uh, in 85. And there I also launched snowboards and apparel. Um, so um, this was already quite exciting in the early uh, days. The only disadvantage was that uh, becoming more involved in marketing and design, I had less time for windsurfing, so I had to stop my career and focus entirely on uh, marketing and design. So this was also the starting point in 1987 when uh, my partner Bernard Heinz and myself founded uh, our first uh, marketing and design agency. And since then, we have um, relaunched and consulted about 250 sports brands, including uh, Red Bull, Puma, Nike, Adidas, Ispo, Flow, Atomic, Autovox, Saleva, Dynafit, Pauna, Pauna, Abus, Volvo, BMW, and quite a few others. So um, today I live in Munich, I have three kids, and um, still love to be involved in design. Wow, that's a really impressive background. I'm, I'm just curious to know, I mean, working on a top executive level like you do today, with running your agency and working with so many brands, do you find any time at all today to windsurf or go snowboarding or, or do the sports that you love? Um, windsurfing, I was... Um, uh, two years ago, I was on Maui uh, and I met Robin Nash and we had quite some nice talks. But uh, however, when I went on the water, I felt uh, that the kids are now on a different level. But like yesterday, I was skiing with my kids and uh, this was um, quite fine. Yeah, so um, I should do more, but uh, I still love it a lot. Great. That's what? Fantastic. <laughs> What does design mean to you, being so involved from an early age and also design being the driving force through your career and connecting you to all the brands, to marketing and the branding? What does it actually mean to you? Design is um, more than... Um, form follows function. This has a bit misunderstood. Um, design is the unification of both. And um, only a nice world can be a good world. Yeah, Only mm -hmm. the beauty can change the world. Yeah, So design is very, very important for me and I guess also for the world and many other uh, athletes around there. What does, I mean, what's been the driving force for you all this time, through all the years, pushing, pushing, working with all these brands? I mean, you've never really settled. You continue to advance, you continue to, to innovate, you continue to push. What, what has been the driving force through all this? 
Why? Why not just you know go lay on a beach and be like, now、Move、I've done、away. it all. <laughs> what? How? What? What is the driving force behind all this? A good question. Yeah, first I love great products, but on the contrary, I hate bad products. And so I always admired great designers、uh, from all different kinds, from architecture, from furniture, from sports, from fashion,、um, and to create something exciting from scratch is a wonderful opportunity.、Uh, and When this then come to the market, and when you are the first time out on the water or in the snow or on the street and see your product from somebody who has bought it,、mm-hmm. uh, this is a very very good feeling that、um, you put something on the world which is nice and functional and、um, has a good impact.、Mm. But also today, I mean, there are so many so many brands and so many products. Are there, and of course, the market gets more crowded with every year. How do you still find the the niches? How do you still find room for new for new products for new innovations with your team? Yeah,、um, today、um, I have the honor to to lead a team of certain、uh, designers within、uh, Pasha and Heinz and.、Uh, For us, this is every day a challenge, and to be their coach and also the coach of our clients is a quite good challenge.、Yeah? Mm. And for us, sports is not just an activity; it's a mindset, and we integrated this in our brand、uh, strategy methodology,、uh, which we call sports design thinking.、Mm. And here、um, we see clients like athletes. They have a history. They have skills, but they also have a vision, maybe a goal, and they want to achieve something. And our coaching process is tailored to these brands, their goals, their needs, but also the needs of their clients and the market. So together we define a strategy, and the implementation of it is based on design. It's agile. It's fast and on target. Can you explain a little bit more about the sports design thinking concept?、Um, yes,、um, we、uh, first of all, according to Simon Sinek, we think everybody has to find his why, his、uh, belief. Yeah, and yes, <laughs>、uh, athlete.、Um, Has this why? Why he is doing this sport? Why he wants to want to become an Olympic champion? So、uh, we、uh, have built our model on on this why, and have three、uh, pillars. One is the、um, the brand triangle, where we define the why and the values, the vision and the mission of the、uh, company. And this is based on a very long term.、Um, Based like ten years and sometimes above, like for Dynafit, we did this sixteen years ago,、uh, and still is in place. Yeah, and the second is the、um, brand circle. There, it's more about the character, the attributes. Yeah,、uh, but also the、um, the visual and、uh, voice tonality. 
And uh, finally, uh, it's the brand square. It's about uh, what we what you usually call the sales funnel, but we have it in a different, more interactive uh, way, where we um, inform and interact uh, with the client in a very uh, modern way. Mm -hmm. And when you interact with the, the client and when your team is, is thinking and innovating, where does, I mean, where does the thinking and the creating happen at, at its best? Do you have any rituals for your team? Do you have any, any strategies that you go through? Tell us a little bit about that on how to achieve the best possible product and solution for your customers. Yeah, um, as I said, uh, we always start uh, with uh, why, and um, but then uh, we look very deep into the brands and the products and the customer needs. Needs. So we learn a lot from athletes. We learn a lot from clients. We learn a lot from focus groups, uh, where we define. Um, the requirements, the attributes for a brand, but also for a product, for a collection. And then based on this, we start very playful to design. Yeah? And this can be with sketches, but uh, very often when it comes to product, we prefer making models, making prototypes in a very early stage, very rough pro prototypes out of a piece of cloth, out of a piece of wire, um, even clay um, and many, many prototypes then come on the table or on a board. And then we start to discuss uh, in a mini workshop uh, and select the best ideas, uh, categorize them, and then go in the next role. And this iteration goes very fast. Yeah? Mm -hmm. Sometimes on a daily basis, we come up with new ideas. And um, so we um, select and select, and mostly after one week, we have a very clear direction. And this is then worked out in details with real prototypes, um, sketches, and specifications. But in the end, um, this I have to add, it's always very playful. Yeah, It's not just the design theory we are working on. We always interact. We interact with clients. We interact with athletes. We interact with ourselves. We test and try and have a look from different perspectives, make a few photos, like them or dislike them, and go from there. A trial and error in uh, adjusting and improving. And prototypes are, of course, there. I mean, there you can say so much with a prototype in a meeting. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, that's uh, that's key. And uh, I mean, you mentioned that you have a team of thirty people, and you have been working on so many projects. So this question might be a bit difficult. But could you tell us about a project that you've done that really made a mark on you, and why? Out of the projects. Yeah, there are quite a few. Uh, first, the relaunch of. Puma in 92, when the company was uh, almost bankrupt, and we put out our skate shoes, our suede uh, um, sneakers, together with um, 
Jürgen Wolf, we um, developed a concept, present, presented it to Jochen Zeitz, and then he um, took it, yeah. And um, we wanted to call it Puma Originals, but the marketing director of Puma thought it's not a good idea, original, it's not something original, yeah. Mm-hmm. So they did take it, yeah, and maybe later some other one um, took it. Uh, but um, the company, one of a sudden, had cool style, was used by the skateboarders and um, came back to life. And maybe another one is Saliva, yeah, the, the very traditional mountaineering brand yeah. uh, with an eagle of with 13 feathers. Um, five years ago, we won, won a competition against eight design companies like Interbrand, Eric Spiekermann, David Carson, and we uh, brought not only the logo, but also the complete uh, visual design language to the next level. Okay, wow. And on the other end of the scale, could you tell us about a project that maybe didn't go as planned and what you learned from that and what your team uh, took away from that? Yeah, also uh, quite a few, of course. Yeah, for example, uh, last year we developed a strategy and product for the uh, micro mobility for shared scooters. And we thought we have the best uh, product, including swappable battery and so on. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, the uh, company we did it for was sold to the US and then they stopped the project. And yeah, now we still have the best product, but uh, not on the market. Okay. Mm. <laughs> Maybe you can bring it out again later. <laughs> yeah, there is always a second chance and mm-hmm. you, you learn a lot also from your failures. And um, yeah, uh, there's still room for a lot of micromobility, um, especially in this crisis. But also we feel sometimes it also has to do with timing. Sometimes a product is just too far ahead of its time and the market is just not ready. Uh, do you experience that a lot with you guys being so innovative all the time and, and creating so many unique products? Do you feel that sometimes when you pitch something that it's too far ahead of its time? Yeah, this is um, uh, very often. It's almost every time. So, yeah, when they when um, Dynafit uh, developed their binding um, 30, uh, three years ago, yeah, uh, the uh, inventor Fritz Bartels wrote a letter to all the uh, major binding companies, including Salomon and Tirolia and Look and so on. Mm. And everybody, nobody did want to have it and said that there's no market for it. Yeah? So he did it on his own and it took him about 15 years of pain mm. uh, until um, Dynafit was bought uh, by the Saleva Group 17 years ago. And at that time, uh, we made uh, the brand concept and brought brand and product together. And um, then it finally uh, took off. When they, when we started, they made a turnover of uh, 3 million and now they make 70 million and have up to 50% market share in this uh, ski touring binding market. But it's, we have seen that it's important. You have to have the good idea. You have to have the good branding you have to to build on reputation and this sometimes takes a very long time and we have experienced this with thousands of brands in the brand new award which we did 34 times mm. 
We were actually brand new finalists with our own clothing brand, Sinaya, many years ago. Yes. It was uh, it was fantastic. But it was a great experience. It was a great amazing. Great platform to uh, uh -huh. get seen. Yes, and so many, so many talented brands uh, that we met there. And every time we go to Ispo, that's the first place I go to the brand new area because that's the most the most interesting I find sometimes. Yeah, that's <laughs> nice to hear. This we found it in um, nineteen. Uh, um, uh, 1999, together with Dupont and, and Ispo and Peter Knoll, mm -hmm. um, yeah, um, who became later then uh, director of uh, Quicksilver. And I mean, so many brands, they have their launches and their kicks and their like schwungs in from the brand new uh, when they when they're finalists and when they exhibit there. And it's very important for many brands to be there. Yeah, uh, we, we have a very um, nice history and we have uh, had so many jury meetings where we had great discussions. I remember, for example, uh, when uh, GoPro uh, was in the jury meeting, uh, most of the jury members thought, oh, this is electronic, this is um, not for sports and uh, why do we need a new brand if we have uh, Sony and Canyon, uh, Canyon and uh, Nikon and so on? Mm -hmm. and, and then we had this discussion, say, oh, isn't it a complete new point of view you have as an athlete, as a sportsman, if you have a camera on your helmet on your, uh, in your hand? And yeah, so uh, we finally awarded uh, them and yeah, they made a good uh, Way upward from them. <laughs> they are pretty it turned, successful. Quite well for them. <laughs> Similar it was with on running or with Maloya closing and many others. Yes, Honor, they they are doing incredible things now. They have uh, they have very very beautiful and amazing products. Maloya as well. They I also visit their booth uh, as soon as I have the chance because it's so inspiring to see every inspiration, every collection. They they get a new inspiration, which is actually pretty rare in the in in the industry. I mean, most of the brands they don't completely switch their inspiration every year, but they do. And that's what keeps them so fresh and so interesting. And it's also unique and different. Absolutely, yes. And, okay, so let's talk a little about brand. I mean, your agency works on all aspects involved in a brand. What are the three core components of a successful brand? What do you think is needed? First of all, a good brand stands for something special. And based on this, it's beloved by their customers uh, and so it's a so-called love brand and finally third um, yeah they have outstanding designs which lead to good products and in many cases these products are also based on very special technologies mm. okay yeah yeah that's that's interesting so what is a common misconception that you see brands have when coming to you for a solution? Yeah, um, when clients come to us, they um, in many cases have a specific uh, product and a specific need mm -hmm. they want to um, communicate, they want to promote. And our question is always, uh, what is the why why do we need this product yeah and they 
just tell us what they have and not why they do it and how they do it. Yeah? Mm-hmm. And we always have to learn first why is their product, uh, why is this different to something already existing and how um, do people use it and how can we communicate it. And uh, so after seeing the what, we have to go back to the why and the how in order to create something uh, special. And uh, we have to to name it and and claim it rather than just tell people, buy me. Mm -hmm. And this is what always leads back to a vision and mission, which is sometimes not uh, really outlined. And... um, if you take a company like Nike and they say bring inspiration and innovation to every athlete in the world, that's mm. quite something. And then in addition, they say not to be misunderstood. If you have a body, you are an athlete. Mm. So they um, have it on one hand, they have it top down. An athlete you think is somebody very trained, but they also... Um, give you the opportunity that if you're just a normal uh, person, if you have a body, you are an athlete or you can become better. And in the end of the day, uh, the product is just one of these ingredients to this great vision to become a better athlete. Mm -hmm. Mm. And tying back to the vision and the mission and the why, and you just mentioned it a little bit, but these are just the the birthing of a product, but what actually makes an outstanding product? What what would you say are the ingredients for the actual product? Because the why and the vision and the mission, they're kind of, they help birth the product, but actual ingredients, what would you say are for an outstanding product? Yeah, there there are, of course, many uh, design theories, uh, which are important. One of the strongest still are the 10 rules of Dieter Rams, uh, which Mm. he developed in the 80s of uh, good design. And good design is quite often uh, simple, it's minimalistic, it's sustainable, and it meets the desire and the needs of the user. And uh, this uh, sounds simple, but in fact it's not, yeah, because you really have to choose uh, the right materials, bring them into good shape, and uh, uh, unify this with great colors, prints, and whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, But uh, if you start at least from the minimalistic side, you have a better chance to end up with the right product. Mm. And I was thinking, you have a, you know really what, what, what it takes for a great product or a great design. And also when you, we started out this interview, you talked about how you came into design and you came from the sports background. So now, is there one thing that you really, really would like to design or that you haven't designed yet or something that you see that uh, you, you kind of desperately want to see a better solution for that you want to put your hands on? <laughs> yeah, uh, good question. Uh, right now, uh, what I was um, looking into the last years was micromobility. Mm-hmm. And micromobility, as the name starts, it starts with the next generation. 
the next generation of mobility, uh, starting with our kids in our gardens, um, on our streets, uh, in our urban environment. And I feel that there is now also in this specific situation, there is room for a complete new mobility. And uh, I would love to be part in that. What type of what type of products when it comes to mobility? Um, yeah, we see uh, now um, in um, in Amsterdam and Copenhagen, we see um, over the past uh, 20 years that um, bicycles um, became a dominant uh, factor. Then in the last five mm -hmm. years, we saw um, the, um, the innovations of e-bike, of cargo bike, mm -hmm. and finally now um, kick scooters or the combination of all. And this leads to... Um, a complete new um, potential of transportation for persons, for families, for goods, where you have um, not um, a few hundred um, kilowatt, uh, like in a car with two tons, but only like 500 watt, like on an e-bike or on a cargo bike, where you can go with your two kids and even some shopping nicely through the uh, streets and if the streets are just allowed for uh, cyclists um, this also helps the environment a lot mm. and also the whole communication uh, in this uh, cities will change um, like um, like we see right now in um, in Copenhagen for example and I've been there quite a few times mm -hmm. and that's uh, fantastic every year to see that more and more roads are just uh, for cyclists and now with all these cargo developments, um, also even the Amazons of this world uh, or DHL, they can use uh, now a cargo bike instead of a um, diesel van. Mm. It's so much healthier for people as well, themselves, their, you know, just their health to not be in cars sitting still. <laughs> yeah, so it's that, not that, just, yeah. Of course, a very strong trend mm -hmm. uh, today to combine uh, the health, the wellness, the activity, um, the sports in your daily life rather than go uh, with your car to the fitness center. Mm -hmm. Yes, it's, it's so important, especially for, for the new generations that are more indoors playing video games. It's important to yeah. get outside. <laughs> Absolutely. Let's continue into learning. I mean, you, of course, you are on, on so many brand boards. You see all the new things that come up in, in all the awards. But for you, how do you continue to learn constantly to stay on top of things within your role? Like where... Because I assume, I mean, you can never, you're never fully educated, but where do you seek new, uh, new inspiration and where do you learn the most at the moment? Yeah, during uh, my uh, life and my career, a lot of uh, changes took place, yeah, and then design, yeah. When I started to, to design sales, I was the first to, to calculate the sales on a computer. So I had to learn with very complicated computer programs to, um, to make patterns and calculations. And then in um, 1984, the Macintosh came and uh, mm -hmm. bought uh, 
the whole uh, graphic design um, upside down where you could easily type uh, and and draw on the screen and so it continued and uh, I'm very fortunate that we have a lot of uh, young uh, designers who uh, show me uh, new programs who show me new technologies uh, and also all these um, digital devices like a Zoom conference or whatsoever. So even now in the crisis, we had the opportunity to learn a lot of different um, techniques, different style of presentations, workshops, um, interaction with um, our designers at home. Mm -hmm. So, uh, but this is also super exciting. Yeah, it's a great opportunity that we um, we get um, new tools and we now also can draw nicely on our iPads. Uh, so we are back to the pencil. Uh, and, uh, so um, there are so so many new things you can learn every day, and that's a big challenge on one hand, but also a big opportunity and also a, a very playful thing. Mm, for yeah. sure. I like, you, I like what you say, that is a great opportunity. Just look at it that, that way. Do you, I mean, do you look at other markets than the sports market for inspiration? Like what other markets do you find interesting? You yeah, mentioned, I, you I, mentioned a little bit of architecture earlier and you mentioned like what, what, what's, what other inputs do you have that are important for your work? Yeah, our, our work design is, uh, uh, is bridging the gap between art and functionality. Uh, so it's very important to uh, be part of the art scene, to visit museums, to see all these generations of artists um, in two-dimensional uh, paintings or even more in three-dimensional sculptures. So um, the, the art side is very important, but this also goes to, to theater or opera, how this uh, um, this interaction takes place on mm. stage. Uh, and of course, the technology nowadays, um, if you look at uh, computers, if you look at uh, artificial intelligence, uh, if you talk to uh, people at, and I have many friends at Apple or Microsoft uh, and, and other startups um, who do amazing uh, things uh, with virtual reality or augmented reality and uh, also the way you now can scan a room or a product uh, and then work uh, work with this uh, in real time. Mm. Uh, this uh, is a great inspiration, it's a great tools mm. and uh, also the way this is prototyped that we can 3D print it out of this uh, within um, 24 hours or make um, our furniture um, design on the desk and have it uh, in the, on the production line the other day. Um, this is uh, fantastic opportunities, but of course you have to get used to it, you have to learn, you have to get the right contacts. And um, there's also a lot of trial and error. Sometimes it works, sometimes it fails. This is a constant 
re recurring thing, the trial and error. It doesn't matter if it was 50 years ago, if it's today. This is how, <laughs> this is how new ideas happen. It's a constant trial and error, adjusting, moving forward, pivoting. Yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah, I, uh, I can, can give you a few examples. When we did the um, Volvo Sports Design Forum uh, um, in uh, starting from 2002, uh, we had the opportunity to um, to um, meet and to interact and to uh, listen to the speeches of many great inventors and designers, uh, including um, including Jake Burton from Burton or including uh, Steve Wozniak, the founder of the personal computer. And I mm -hmm. spent two nights with uh, Steve uh, in Munich, and uh, it was amazing the the thoughts, everything he saw on the street. Um, influenced some of his uh, thinking and uh, and discussions and uh, discussing the speed of light and uh, uh, gravity and all uh, these uh, interactions. And um, so you can learn so much if you talk to um, great designers, to great uh, inventors, and also listen to their story, how he made his first uh, computer, how they sold their first um, 50... Uh, um, Apple One uh, computers, mm -hmm. and then how it finally leads to this um, Macintosh theory. Mm. Wow, I really would have loved to be in that meeting. I'm an IT engineer, that's my background, and meeting Steve, that would be a dream. <laughs> yeah, maybe next time. I'm still in I'm contact. Last time I had a, uh, I had a problem at the, uh, at the, um, uh, at the Apple shop as the iPad of, of my daughter um, didn't work anymore and they refused to uh, to exchange it. So I called Steve and then Steve <laughs> called the manager and uh, you guess what? It working out quite fast. Wow, yeah, that's the best person all to call. He did, um, all what Steve did is reminded the manager on the idea of um, this personal behavior, this personal strategy of Apple. Yeah, that's quite a connection. Yeah. Uh, another thing here is uh, with working so close with brands, what changes do you see in them? Their thinking and requests compared to, let's say, 10 years ago. Do you see any shifts? Yeah, they are, um, they are general. They are, of course, there are a lot of shifts. Yeah, maybe the biggest shift is that. Um, today every brand has to be sustainable to a certain extent if they can't prove that they have a vision um, to produce um, more sustainable to uh, recycle their product they might be out of business soon so many companies uh, changed like which was quite unusual like um, like Patagonia 20 years ago said, don't buy this jacket, uh, mm. better repair it and give it a second life. Now, a lot of sports and other companies follow this trend. Uh, but uh, uh, right now, it's a, it's a very difficult situation because on one hand, companies have to restructure themselves based on economic mm. um, perspective. And others are restructuring themselves based on uh, ecological mm. uh, ideas. So we have to see how the next months uh, and years are developing. But there will be a lot of companies out of business because they didn't change fast enough. Mm -hmm. And there will be others um, coming up um, 
in a very short time. Mm. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is what we see now, especially with the corona situation. Many small brands, they've been able to, I mean, they've been agile and they could, they, they can shift things super fast, but bigger brands, it's like heavy machinery and many are so, so struggling right now. It's very painful to see. Yeah, it's, it's um, easier to turn a surfboard than an oil tanker. Mm -hmm. <laughs> very good metaphor. Yes. <laughs> For sure. Let's shift towards uh, design awards. Uh, I really want to talk a little bit about that because you're a jury member. And of course, it's for a brand and for a designer to win a design award. That could mean huge opportunities. It could be extremely powerful for brands. And why, why do you think, I mean, you know, you've met so many and you just talked about GoPro as an example. Uh, wh why should brands... Uh, apply like what's your wh what would your quick pitch be because many think like oh it's so you know like oh, it's a hassle you have to you know apply da, da, da. I'm not really convinced what would your your saying be yeah first of all I have, uh, I have to take a bit uh, a bigger picture uh, if you are a musician and um, your music is played on radio or on uh, on downloads and so on, on streaming, uh, you, um, your name is constantly uh, mentioned and you can become famous. Um, so it is, um, maybe if you're an architect and quite a few architects are known for in history or if you're an uh, artist or even better, if you're a football player. Yeah? Everybody knows the top football players of the world. But if you're designers, how many designers are known? Only a handful. So um, is this because of lack of understanding of the public or is this because of they don't work on the name? Maybe it's both. And so it's very important if you're a designer to work on your name and to combine uh, your achievements with some highlights of your work with, your, with, your, with the products you have designed. And there are only very few tools, and one of these tools is a design award. And we see different design awards um, in the world uh, and um, in different categories. And some major ones, like the uh, Red Dot or the German Design Award, uh, they uh, really have a very good jury. And then uh, uh, if you are selected by this jury, it really meet, means something. So... Um, I have seen with many designers um, which have been a small studio of two, three people and then they finally won a few awards. Uh, a lot of uh, interest came to their um, brand and to, to their design uh, potential. So uh, if you really work hard, have a good product, uh, make sure that you send it in and um, ideally you, and you describe it right, of course. And ideally, you win an award, get on stage, and use this promotion to uh, to bring your name and your product out to the world. You mentioned describing the brand that it's or or the product that it's really important. What other things should a brand think about when they apply? What's important? Yeah, I've, to uh, win. <laughs> 
as a jury member in um, maybe 100 uh, jury meetings, uh, you always have to read um, from many, many um, applica applications um, the text. And most of the text is very boring. It says it's the best of the best and it works better than and it's um, nicer because. Yeah. But um, what I want to understand is why this product is uh, here, uh, what was the belief of the creator, um, what, um, um, what forms, uh, what function does it incorporate and uh, what will it change for the user. Mm. And this, again, we are back to the why, to the how, to the user benefit. And if this is very clear, if you can articulate this in one sentence, name it and claim it, and then describe it in five more sentences, then uh, in combination with a good pre presentation and maybe some additional uh, photos in action, this can make a good application. How early should brands apply? Do you think it's it's wise to apply even with their first product, or should should brands, you know, have been running for a while, a couple of years before they kind of have some meat on their bones before they apply? What's your recommendation? Yeah. Also when here, is it? When 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 do you think a brand is ready to apply? Also here, it's of course learning by doing, uh, and um, I think rather be fast than slow. Yeah. Uh, put your act together, try to apply. If it doesn't work out the first time, you do it again um, a year later. And, um, but uh, this, this is also a very strict brand and, and sales pitch where you have to um, put your cards on the table, where you have to outline um, your, your brand uh, vision and your product um, benefit. Mm. Yeah. And, and, and talking about uh, awards and also we touched a bit on it earlier when we talked about sustainability and what do you think, what's the future of sports design and sports products? Where are we heading now? Um, yeah, um, as outlined, um, sustainability will uh, play uh, even more um, factor in future. So um, companies like uh, Patagonia, Autovox, Dynafit, Picture Organic, VD uh, already uh, show the direction and they will, uh, these requirements will set the pace for future developments. Mm -hmm. So less is more, um, make sure that you either use um, organic materials uh, like merino wool or um, organic cotton and so on, or use uh, recycled um, materials like poly from the ocean uh, certified mm -hmm. materials out of uh, PET uh, bottles or fisher nets and so on. Uh, and, um, but also give the product a longer lifetime, make sure it's made uh, proper and then you also can sell it more expensive because it's better to buy a jacket once and keep it for five or ten years rather than to buy a fast fashion every six months. Oh, yes. Uh, second, uh, the 
technology um, used in sportification coming from gamification now electronics and hands um, simple products uh, uh, in a very um, um, unique way so conventional products and di digital technologies are unified not only in variable technologies but also in many uh, hardware products for example if you have a product like uh, a plank bed a wooden board which is just a little bit of wood combined with an iphone and the app on it um, gives you all this sportification this playful um, fitness um, abilities and this brings um, a simple product to a very different level and we see this in many brands now coming up like multi-ball like fawn uh, many others it's an exciting future and also what i i like the most is that it's it's a bit more fun. It's not so stiff and so serious. Of course, you still have the, you know, professional, but at the same time, sports is more integrated in the and more and more in everyday life and more and more into everybody, everybody's lives and not just the professionals. And I really, I really like that. So this is yeah, ab absolutely yeah. and we we can extend our childhood we can uh, have more fun uh, later on uh, with um, playful products mm. this has been really insightful listening to you and your your ex experience on design and, and products it's uh, i think it's uh, it's a really good uh, chat and if I just want to turn it back to you, we talked about you in the beginning, how you got into all this, and but what's next for you now? What's um, happening for you? Yeah, um, I still love my uh, job. I'm still challenged every day to work uh, with our team, with our team of uh, players. And... Um, we currently work on uh, quite a few new brands uh, in special uh, fields like, uh, as I mentioned before, in micromobility, we have uh, quite a few projects. We're also working on a few sportswear themes like a women-specific brand. Um, they are stay tuned. There comes something quite exciting. And, um, yeah, I still uh, love... Uh, what I do, and I guess I will still do this for a few more years. No slowing down. That's good. <laughs> Sometimes you have to slow down, but um, you also can slow down and make things faster. Yeah, and then uh, you're sooner there, and you have more time to relax. For sure. For sure. Oh, yes cannot work fully, constantly burn out. And also the ideas never come from the hustle. The ideas always, the, the best ideas, best, I mean, talking from own experience, my best ideas come from from my my running, uh, from me running outside in the forest. Right. That's when, yeah. when the best ideas happen. Or being, you know, in the water or on a mountain, they never come from sitting in front of the computer or a screen. Yeah, you have to stop Absolutely. all the time to take notes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. So let's to wrap up this this fantastic interview. If you can leave our listeners with your top three thoughts or tips, what would those be? 
three thoughts. Yes. Yeah. First of all, fight for the good. Mm. Second, uh, work on your name and your skills. Mm. And third, stay hungry, stay foolish. Yes. Such good ones. Put them, put them. We should make a poster, put them up. We should make posters. We should start making posters for every interview. Those were really good ones. Yeah. <laughs> Is there anything we should have asked you that we didn't? Is there anything that you want to add that we, we didn't ask you about that's important and oh, that you okay. feel? Fantastic questions, and I really love to, to answer them. I think one very special question is uh, how will uh, COVID-19 change uh, our world and change uh, design? Mm. Yes. Mm. So what's your take on that? Uh, exactly. Uh, we are listening. Yeah, some, <laughs> of the, some of the answers already have been between the line. Yeah, but mm -hmm. first of all, um, there will be a strong focus again on nature and uh, wellness. Second, it's uh, about the movement, how we move, uh, how we uh, interact with our urban environment or also our local environment. Mm. And uh, based on this uh, both, how we um, can change together uh, the um, climate change or stop the climate change. And uh, their designers have a huge responsibility by making the right products out of the right materials. Mm. And I uh, really think that COVID-19 has helped more than others, more than CEOs, mm. uh, to make this change now, now and fast. Definitely. And I think sometimes when something very bad happens, it forces people to put everything in perspective and to, as you say, to, to make things move so much quicker. And in a way, I'm very positively looking forward to what's coming into the future. For us, working with hundreds and brands, we see so many have really quickly pivoted and they've made huge impacts in their customers' lives with their products. And so, yes, unfortunately, it's been very tragical. But at the same time, I or we, uh, we look very positively to what's going to come, come out of this. Absolutely, yes. And as a last question, where can people find you and where can people get in touch with you? Yeah, first of all, they can find me and visit me here in Munich in our nice uh, stadium, um, just the opposite side of uh, Messe München of ISPO. Um, then second, they can find me on the mountains or on the snow or on the water. Best place. Uh, and last but not least, there's always also tools like LinkedIn or Zoom uh, or email. Perfect. We will link uh, everything in our show notes, so all the links will be will be added. This has been such an inspiring interview. I'm all filled up with with uh, with gratitude and with it's like I just want to go design now. <laughs> yes.
<laughs> Thank you so much for this interview. It's been a tremendous pleasure. And yeah, I'm sure the listeners will, will find this interview very inspiring as well. And thank you so much. And I uh, yeah, hope to see you soon in person, very, very soon when the world is going to open up again. Yes, thank you so much. Yeah, um, thank you, Anna and Klaus. The honor is on my side. Um, always nice to talk to you and I wish you all the best in Sweden. And um, let's see when we can meet. Uh, I look forward to that. Great. Great. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. That was it for today, guys. Take care, stay safe and be strong and talk to you next week. Bye. Bye.